so excited because I had the honor, privilege, and extraordinary experience of hanging out with two of my favorite people. Uh, not you, Mikey D. It would have been three of my favorite people if you were there. But it was Saul and Tom Bilyeu hanging out at Tom's multi-mega million mansion. It was an incredible, his garage is bigger than my house. It was incredible, uh, which he's made into an entire office building. And the views outdo uh, the structure, over 20,000 square feet beyond the the parking lot. But what really came uh, about with the two very successful individuals, Saul and Tom, is how grounded both of them are. Um, With all the success that they both have in their lives, uh, it was so nice to have a grounded conversation and really not only appreciate the similarities in mindset, heart set, and handset, but also just appreciate the differences. And I think that's what this show is about. When you look, especially Wendy, the Wednesday, the more good news Wednesday edition, you know, Mike Diamond and I, we are like brothers from another mother, identical twins, as Tom Billu said, about 80% of us, but there's an obvious 20% that we appreciate. Uh, the differences. And I just want to tell both of you, not only do I appreciate you being here, but I appreciate the differences that we're going to share today uh, beyond the commonality of how we are grounded men. Um, Welcome to Office Hours, my friend, Saul Beltran. How are you? Great, man. Thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure to see you, buddy. Yeah, man. I'm fired up today. It's Wednesday. We start off the week with Office Hours at high energy level. And speaking of which, we're going to do a retreat, a grounded retreat coming up in April. And, you know, I'd like to get into why uh, it's so important and why you're hosting the Grounded Men Retreat uh, April 27th through the 29th, coming up in a month. But, you know, what is it that's so transformative about this unique men's experience uh, that really has driven you to create this event series? No, man, this is great. I mean, number one, this is three days in a row with you, so this is awesome. <laughs> but on top Sorry. of that, me and you, Mike, yeah, that's awesome. But um, really, you know, this is the, the, the transformation that I made was such an amazing uh, journey that I I just felt that, you know, that, you know, I was going through something for a long time where identity crisis, and I think most guys will go through that at some point in their life. And no matter how, I, how successful I was or what peak I reached, you know, with my career or financially, I still was like something was missing. I, you know, there's an identity crisis there. But then there was also a lot of things that I, I felt like, hey, man, like, am I alone on this? So I, you know, I held it in, right? And so the 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 journey became really amazing for me because I started to, like, you know, at some point, I just finally got enough of this. You know, I was going through a heartbreak. I was going through identity crisis. I was like, "What's next in life?" And you know, you everyone looks at you like this guy's got it all. He's you know, he's pretty happy. But inside, I was like, "Man, there's there's stuff that it needs to get out, and I need to heal and just like you know, find my new purpose, my new passion." So, um, I started working with some of the best coaches out that I could find. I was like, "If I'm going to make these changes, I'm going to look for the best coaches possible out there." So. I started looking for them and I came across, you know, these top coaches, these top experts. And I was like, Hey man, I'm going to start doing this work. And I noticed right away that my life started to change, but it really didn't change until I started sharing it with other men. Like, Hey man, I'm going through this. And when I first heard me too, I was like, wow, you know, it gave me relief. And then the next guy was like, bro, me too, man. Like, what are you doing? It just like, it instantly hit me. like, man, there's so many guys out there that probably won't say something until Another guy opens up, and that's a vulnerability. And I think vulnerability is powerful. 
uh, and most men want to own it. But once you do, man, it's like power and strength to you. You got so much more to offer. So I started doing all these grounded things that helped me get grounded. So I started working with a top fitness expert and I started doing the longevity, long-term medicine, you know, biohacking, things that made me feel grounded and got me back in alignment with myself. And then I started working with the experts, you know, these coaches like yourself and Tom and a couple other names, you know, that um, we're going to be bringing into the retreats. But that was a uniqueness of this. I realized, like, I'm working with these experts. It's like, I want to be able to share this with other men because I think there's such a need for this. And there's, it's very unique because not very many people get to do this. So that's where this came out. And at the very end, I was like, we still want to feel like, man, so let's throw it a little extra in there. And uh, I was like, man, I love horses. It's something that's taught me so much about myself. I'm like, let's go do some cowboy shit. So at the end of the day, we go take them out to the ranch, get the guys on the horses and teach them how to gallop and, you know, hold on to those horses, but also build their confidence up, right? Because we want to feel like, man, like the office is not going to make you feel like a man. You got to get out of the office and do something challenging in your life. So my goal here is to inspire the men to step out of the comfort zone, open up and really share like the little things that we struggle through in the brotherhood and in a place that they feel confident in doing this, but also with these top experts like yourself and the other people that we're bringing into the community to, to really just share this. So it's really unique experience that we're that we're going to be offering April 27th to the 29th in Santa Barbara. It's amazing. I love how you said vulnerability and um, how connection, because we all want connection, but we're afraid to be vulnerable. And like if, when you like me being sober, right? All 12 step meetings were based on two guys having a conversation that could identify with each other. They've both got issues. So when, when you start to um, dive into this, you know how there's that crazy people talk about the toxic masculinity. So a lot of people are afraid to, to be like a powerful man because they feel like they're going to get shamed or they're going to get brought down. How do you reframe that to teach people? It's okay to be strong and powerful and grounded. That doesn't mean you're being toxic. Yeah. It's interesting you say that because uh, that comes up a lot. And actually, you know, me joining other communities, other uh, retreats and, you know, men's group. Like I, I felt some of that and some of it I didn't. Right. And I realized there's power and strength and not really having to be toxic and feel like you have to lead with this certain type of personality. I think you got to be more like, it's interesting to watch that calm man in the corner, just being collected and just like, okay, he's, he's basically what he's doing is like, he's no longer wounded. Right. When you, when you react, sometimes you're wounded and you start to express these things, but it comes from other things that are trapped. So when you heal that and you allow that to like, you remove that from you, you can stay in a comp in a, in a calm state of mind and actually don't have to be toxic and be so like loud and talk in a certain way. You don't like, I'm not that type of guy. I'm pretty chill for the most part, but you know, it's like a lot of that work has to happen. Yeah. And some of the work, what I found, even when we were doing a prelude to the grounded men event in Santa Barbara in April, Tom, you and I, and another uh, great entrepreneur, uh, Mikey Wang, was there as well. What I thought was so cool is, you know, there's some other barriers uh, that exist that we bring down when we're in this grounded men's setting. Uh, and for me, one of the greatest takeaways, even though uh, my wife was at the table, so it would be even more illuminating without uh, women's presence, because there's always, no matter what we do, if a woman's around, there's some ego involved and you know, some posturing and some protection, uh, which is one of the key components of the retreat. But I really appreciated like, you know, a, a lot of times you, you you feel like you have to live up to an image, right? And 
you, you right. can't be political or you can't be, you can't just express your opinion. And, you know, one of the fun things that we were talking about was just, you know, Tom's belief in, you know, soul. Right. And like, I've known that guy a long time. We're good friends and he's never been comfortable like enough in our relationship as we were posturing together in public with all the stages we share and interviews we do or the masterminds that we've done before. He, he's never really let his guard down to say, you know, hey, these are my beliefs about the soul. And I would tell you quantitatively the value of that conversation coming from what I believe is a genius, Tom Bilyeu. Uh, you know, he, he, when you speak with him, you know, he's at a different frequency. Uh, and to get his insight on, you know, the, the non-descriptive, non-defined importance of soul and allow him to share comfortably his opinion without any judgment or condition. How many conversations that, because you've done these retreats before, which has motivated you to take it to the next level. How many conversations do you feel when you're at that retreat that, wow, man, people never get this comfortable where I get to explore what they really believe about some things that nobody knows about or can define or prove. Yeah. You know, it's interesting you say that because it does come up. And the reason I say like, look, these five components that we do, these five modules, right? Like, I'll tell you that it, at some point it's going to come up. Like, there's maybe it's a part of you, like, your fitness might be in, in good in a good place, but what about like your your health? Uh, you know, taking care of yourself, or what about your mindset? Which is the majority of this word this came from for me. Um, so the the reason why I built it this way in the model of like the guys get to bond in something that we're also, we all have something in common, right? So the workouts, for example, longevity, that stuff, that kind of activity just helps us help each other and kind of open up like, Mike, you might be in better shape than I am, but I'm going to be working right next year and be motivating me a little bit. And I'm going to feel comfortable and then I'm going to kind of open up to you a little more about some things, right? And by the third, fourth session, there's vulnerability there, man. We start talking about life because we've already bonded, right? And like you said earlier, David, that community of just having a brotherhood it's so unique when you just can talk to another man because a man understands a man and you understand each other. You kind of go that me too moment, or you just start to share, like there's, there's a lot of power in that strength. Right. So I feel like this conversation will come out throughout the day and just depending where you feel most comfortable, but that's why we do all these activities throughout the day over three days to really help you just open up however you feel and get comfortable, but it'll come up in, in many different forms. I mean, I, in some of these last retreats, like, it, it, some of it happened where we're doing biohacking. We just kind of had, you know, some IV drips going and somebody was talking about a fear they had. Right. And then the next thing, you know, like the relationship coach started talking about something that related to what men go through and, and how to kind of communicate with your partner more. And then that one guy just reached his hand. He's like, man, I'm going through this. And let me tell you what's going on. I've been broken for a while. I've just been trying to figure this out. And then next, you know, the next guy's like, me too. It's that me too moment that just starts to happen. And by the end of the day, the next two days, it's it's unique how the conversations just are, are, are they're having. It's just like if you and I knew each other for months now, right? We've been sharing this kind of thing. So it's going to happen throughout the, the entire event. It's pretty unique. I think it's great how you, people are unmasking when they're – now, do you find they unmask more when they're uncomfortable in the sense of, say, someone doesn't like horse riding and they've got a, they're afraid of horse riding, right? Because I don't like horses. <laughs> and you, you teach him to gallop, right? Because a horse is a crazy thing and it, it gallops that could fall off. Right. Do you find that's when you can find these beautiful moments where people are like, I'm afraid of this dude. I'm, you know, I'm really afraid. So, yeah, sorry. I think, Mike, what it, what it is, is I, I've, what I've noticed is it, 
like what I said earlier, is it's a unique thing of like, I might be scared, but you two aren't. And if I'm going to be with you guys, I'm like, it's going to motivate me to do it, right? It's going to give me that vulnerable Step out of your comfort zone. Yep. You know what? I'm not alone. And you're going to give me that same kind of comfort, right? And so in each situation, it's unique in that way where you just start to like, hey, it, throughout this whole journey, there's something that I struggle with that somebody else also, but they're willing to do it with me together. And that's where the vulnerability just kind of opens up. It's amazing. Yeah. And the last thing I want to touch on, you know, it's one thing to go to retreats, masterminds, which just is different than a mastermind. And I want to stress that because you and I have had, had multiple conversations about making sure that this was more transformative. Uh, it's not a, a mastermind. It's a retreat together uh, to grow. But the real purpose and one of the values that I get really excited about is I hate uh, going to events and bonding with people and then never talking to them again. And now all I've done is made myself more lonely because I can't do a Wednesday show with, with everyone. I got to pick and choose my fave, like Mike Diamond, to be here and see him every Wednesday. And I can't hang out every day like me and Saul. But, you know, the case uh, history and the record of these Grounded Men retreats, you know, everyone, I went and did my due diligence outside when you asked me to be a part of this. You know, they talked about more what they're doing, you know, outside of the retreat. So that to me was the proof and the pudding of how truly impactful this event, uh, this retreat is. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll tell you, it's what you take away from this, right? Like, we'll give you the tools, we'll, you know, the experts are there. It's, you know, it's come out and hang out with the guys. But at the end of the day, what, the, what you walk away with, you know, some of the relationships that I have now are people that I didn't really know well at all. I just connected with them. But through this journey, like there's some of my closest friends because I was able to go through something with them together that we helped each other grow. Right. So now we keep each other accountable. So there's so many things that happen after this event that will be ongoing for for the community. Because, again, we're trying to build this community for men to, you know, of high achieving status to to continue this journey and growth, but also bring other men up as well. Yeah, well, we certainly appreciate you. I know his name looks like Saul. So if you want to join the Grounded Men Retreat, you better call SaulGroundedMen.com to join us. There's limited spots available, obviously, for next month. Uh, Tom Billu, myself, and some other great experts. I'm going to bring in a couple of celebrities, athletes uh, to join us, maybe even some financial literacy. So there's a lot of great things planned. But his real name is Saul Beltran. So don't be a fool Come and join Saul. That's right, baby. We're talking to groundedmen.com, Grounded Men Retreat. You got to get all our friends together for a brotherhood that will last a lifetime. Thank you so much for including me. I know Tom is super excited. He's texted me like six times since we all had dinner this week. And my wife, certainly, uh, who's the ultimate uh, qualifier, has vetted out the circumstance and she has fallen in love uh, with you, my friend. So she thinks the world of you and is very excited for me to have this retreat and come back a better man. So thanks for uh, joining us today. We'll do some more together. Make sure you join us, groundedmen.com. Check out Saul Beltran. Thanks so much, man. Always a pleasure. Bye, buddy. Thank you. Bye. See you soon. See you tomorrow, I hope. All right. <laughs> All right, Mike. Well, you know, I'm having a, a hell of a week. And I'm going to tell you uh, today, I was blessed to be invited to John Cougar Mellencamp. Uh, I don't know if you're a fan, but I am. Huge. Uh, his, his daughter is a good friend of ours, and Edwin, his her husband, uh, Edwin Ariave, is a close friend of mine. And he had invited us uh, up back to West Hollywood tonight to the Dolby Theater to see uh, her father play. And I, I got to just tell you, 
I, I fight and struggle with the fear of missing out. And I don't know if you've ever experienced that in, in your life, yeah. but yeah. it's always been a struggle. I, I'm very proud of myself because I adore uh, John Gordon's going to be there. I think Ed Milad and uh, of course, uh, Edwin and his wife, Teddy. But I, you know, have a lot going on, prioritize my health and my family. And I wasn't able to make it tonight. And I, wow. you know, was going down to San Diego to do some stuff with young Je- Jeff Fenster, who had built a brand new, beautiful uh, studio down there. And I thought to myself, wow, I must really be maturing because I have no fear of missing out. I feel confident in my relationships that uh, they're not offended that I couldn't make it. I feel confident in the choice and prioritization of tonight to be with my son and and my wife and, and other things that I need to do. I'm leaving for Austin to speak tomorrow. Um, but it was a real accomplishment uh, for me to reflect on the fact that there was very little FOMO. Uh, and so I've worked really hard for me to reduce the amount of FOMO and also FOPO, which is fear of other people's opinion. Uh, those are two things that created a lot of interference. Have you had uh, experiences or do you ever feel the FOMO, FOPO dilemma? Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that because it was so weird. Just the other day, I got invited to something and I was like, I just don't have the bandwidth. I just came back from shooting and I really thought like, if I don't go, people are going to judge me. And, you know, it, it was an event in LA. It was like 30 minutes away. And I just didn't have the bandwidth. I just didn't have it. And that's why I was like, look, I just can't make it. And, but, but the instant think was like, oh man, like, what are they going to think? And, you know, it was, you know, but I know I totally, I have to, I, it's a good feeling when you know that the people that care don't judge us by not showing up sometimes when we have to be of service to someone else. So yeah, absolutely. I still, I still go through that all the time and I have to pick and choose correctly. I agree. Well, also, I, I think that's a great point. Like when your friends don't make you feel guilty or offended or resent, you know, resentment exists because you can't, uh, make it to something and that need to be offended was a big part especially with my family like oh my god you cut the turkey without me you know it's like this big dilemma uh you know being missing out on things and you know yeah. not showing a certain amount of uh respect or or you know some sort of credibility within the context of your relationship a true relationship uh i think is one that appreciates your prioritization um and to that end, you know, I, I know that in my own discourse, people say, can you make it to this? And I used to do the obligatory, you know, uh, I got to fly out early in the morning or, you know, to what, uh, you know, whatever it was, excuses. And like, to be honest, I just say I can't. Unfortunately, I have other commitments and priorities. Yeah. And I don't think you need to go through anything other than the fact that if you're not going uh, to something that someone invites you to, it is telling them already that you have other commitments and priorities. And so there's no reason to go below the line. And, you know, I, I really get frustrated with people that make up stories, uh, feeling like they're they're helping your feelings when all they're doing is hurting your feelings. Um, don't and you I, think, don't you think that when you, um, so like, I'll give you an example. I was away and, and shooting. And my son's T-ball first game was I was going to be away, right? But I had to go and shoot the show. And 
it was right to shoot the show. Ironically, the show, the, the first game got rained out. Yeah. So I ended up going to the first game, right? And I've found now that if I make a choice, like if I make a commitment to you and I know it's right, and then I get three other commitments and they may be lucrative or right, but I've made the commitment to you. I'm going to stick with the commitment to you if it feels right. And I find that those other commitments, even though superficially or my ego may say it, if I do what's all authentically right and organic, it always plays the right way. I get out of my way and I don't feel, I'm like, no, it was meant to, I was meant to do this with Dave. Sorry. You know what I mean? And I think that's a, a maturing thing. Like we know it's going to work out if we do the right thing eventually. Do you feel that like that as well? Yeah, no, I think everything happens at the right place at the perfect time. Yeah. And that intuition is an indicator to utilize our intellect and the inspiration to facilitate the prioritization. And a lot of people try to infuse intuition with intellect and inspiration where it's separate. It's an indicator. Yeah. Uh, now, I have a question. You keep on mentioning a show. Yeah. Are you at uh, liberty to mention, you know, what the show is and what you're working on? Are you are you allowed to do yeah, that? Yeah, I can, I can say that. I just can't say what happens. <laughs> no, no, so, no. Just tell us what happened. Yeah, of course. So um, I'll be, I'm one of the new interventionists on A&E, &E, uh, which is the show intervention. It's been around since 2003. Ironically... Yeah. When the show started, I was doing a lot of drugs. They probably should have done an intervention <laughs> on me, right? <laughs> and um, which was awesome. So it's uh, true, right? Well, I'm, glad the plot, I'm glad the plot doesn't have you dying on it. No. And then just the fact that you could say means that there's no plot of you dying. But you remind me of the founder of Ring. Uh, I don't know if you know the story, but <laughs> yeah. the founder of Ring uh, was on Shark Tank and they all the. Uh, all the sharks rejected his ass and then he sold it to Amazon for like a billion dollars and they invited him to be like a Matt Higgins, uh, a, a guest, a guest host, a guest shark. And so here he was now a billionaire guest shark on Shark Tank after none of them funded ring. Uh, so even the best ones don't find the best deals. Speaking of the best deals, man, Jake is here and ready to go. Thank you for your uh, your convenient flexibility of joining us early. CEO and co-founder of Grow Therapy, growtherapy.com. Uh, and it's a health tech startup. Uh, once again, Mikey, right up your alley in the mental health care yeah. uh, space, making it not only accessible, but affordable. And, you know, there's a lot of awareness in the mental health space, but there's a lot of need as well. Uh, what makes the Grow Therapy uh, a key differentiator when it comes to two areas, you know, not only accessibility, but affordability. Yeah, it's a great question. First of all, David, thank you for having me on. Um, big fan of, year, of yours and, and Mike, it was fun watching your segment. Um, for Grow, we, we really started Grow uh, to massively expand uh, access to high quality, affordable mental health care. From our vantage point, the, the biggest disconnect in our healthcare system is that there's such a few providers who take your insurance, uh, let alone actually are a good quality fit for you. Uh, for us, what we do is we help providers uh, start their own insurance accepting practices so that we can massively expand uh, the supply of providers who can see someone in affordability, uh, affordably. Uh, we've started uh, taking commercial insurance. We're now getting into Medicare and Medicaid where there's just a kind of binary lack of coverage uh, to serve as many people as we can. I mean, it's, it's just what you're doing is, first of all, saving lives and incredible. So 
I gotta give you that's it, it, it's it's all it's all of our providers who are saving lives, but but for us, um, but you're facilitating. We want to make it you're, as easy as possible. For yeah, well, yeah. But what I'm trying to say is that I know people that can't get therapists, and they just stuck, and and the waiting lines are ridiculous. So first of all, that thank you because so many people need it, and especially during COVID, it was ridiculous the amount of yeah. people that you know that have suffered. So my question is, being Australian. I've always yeah. found it puzzling that the healthcare is so bad here. Why don't more people like yourself actually try to close the gap for people and they just throw the, oh, well, too bad, too bad. Or mental health's just, it's just a mental thing. Just think differently. It's true, you know what I mean? Oh, just, just be positive. They don't realize that it, people really do suffer. Why aren't more people taking the initiative like you? I think that um, for, for one, um, I've been to Australia, amazing country, and the healthcare system functions, in my opinion, a, a lot better than ours. I, when I was there, I'd get a checkup, fifty dollars in and out. I, I, didn't, I wasn't even Australian, right? Uh, and, and, um, so, so functions a lot better. I think um, right now the healthcare system in the U.S. has a many many well-intended participants. I think most all providers, patients, folks who uh, even work in insurance companies, they're all well-intended. But it's just a there's so much twisted administrative complexity. Part of that originates from the fact that uh, the person, the, the entity paying for healthcare, uh, is a third party. It's a payer, and the entity paying that payer is your company. It's it's actually not you uh, directly. So there, you're you're kind of two layers away, uh, payment wise, from a provider, uh, and that leads to a lot of inefficiencies with respect to. Uh, administrative access, it leads to lack of cost transparency, it leads to, um, and, and then, then on the provider side, there's this massive fragmentation. So you have to, in order to get paid by a payer, uh, do a bunch of fairly annoying administrative things. You have to send in all, an application. It's like almost applying to college, submitting an application, get approved. Yeah. You have to code claims in a specific way. Um, and you have to do it all a little bit differently, somewhat redundantly, uh, not for one or two pairs, but for like like ten or twenty, right? Because there's so many different permutations. So the the kind of combination of there being many different layers uh, the, between a patient and a provider, uh, and so many permutations because of uh, it's not a single payer system, uh, has resulted in a lot of the administrative complexity that has stood in the way of care. And Jake. Um... What's extraordinary about you, I know you're a Forbes 30 under 30 kid, and you know I was with um, Joe Spector this morning. He's the founder of Hims, and now he's the founder of Dutch, which is the veterinarian uh, telemedicine sensation. And he came over here in 1990 before you were born, um, and he uh, had $100 in his pocket as a, a Soviet refugee, uh, where, by the way, entrepreneurship is illegal in the Soviet Union. Yeah. And you know I had this similar conversation in a similar space uh, and his general situational knowledge and experience in you know this space was extraordinary. What is so compelling um, and interesting to me is that you're so young and you really have a firm grip on the critical business issues that exist in the space. And it's a complex one. Uh, you know, it's bad enough to be in healthcare or health tech but you know, within the context of healthcare and health tech, it's therapy, uh, the mental health aspect of it, which has all types of different nuances, HIPAA, uh, complexities, like yeah. you said, multiple payers and payees, 
Um, you know, for the young entrepreneurs out there, what do you attribute your extraordinary accelerated understanding of a complex business in order to effectuate such a strong, successful solution and be, you know, commended for it and uh, recognized as a leader in such a complex space? Yeah, I, I think just for the start, I wouldn't want to give us too much credit. There's plenty of things I don't know uh, and, and still I'm learning. Um, but the, well, you already the, said more than I said when I was your age. The, that the, would never, the, the, the success that we have had to date, uh, <laughs> we've been very proud of it, uh, has been a function um, of our team, um, my, my co-founders, the rest of the 165 people that work uh, at Grow at a corporate level, the, the 6,000 providers that we learn from each day. Um, to answer your question uh, specifically, I, I had um in industry and, and legal understanding uh, of the uh complexities uh from my prior uh job and um where i made a lot of healthcare investments um but there's many gaps in understanding and i think for me um i've learned through working with people who uh know more through tapping in advisory networks um through leaning on our providers too um to, to really uh, leverage their uh, understanding and their insights to better build uh, our platform. Uh, it's it takes a it takes a village, if you will, uh, to, to build something meaningful. Uh, and uh, if we have any, um, one of the things that I think we do really well is is leveraging uh, our village and, and expanding our village over time. Well, I would tell you that it takes a village only if you have humility, which. Most wow. things don't I was happen. I just going to say, where'd you get your humility from? It's yeah. Like, yeah. You're so I, humble, dude. Like, everything is humility. It's incredible. It's I, I, I appreciate that. I, I I think it's, you have to have some perspective over what um, your, the relative value you're contributing versus versus everything else. We, we feel lucky for how things have shaken out. You mentioned telehealth. Uh, I think for us, one of the interesting parts about COVID is we, we thought about the, the idea for Grow actually pre-COVID. Um, but, but we started post-COVID was um, overnight, A, it really accelerated the need for what we're doing. Anxiety and depression rates forexed pretty much overnight. Uh, but secondarily and positively, uh, it removed, um, and this is unique to behavioral health, uh, the, the barriers um, intrinsic in what we're doing. Uh, our pitch to therapists is, hey, um, do you want to start your own practice? Uh, if you partner with Grow, uh, in exchange for a revenue share, we'll support you every step of the way uh, in getting contracts, doing your own marketing, giving you a uh, platform to care for uh, patients. Uh, but we couldn't. what we couldn't solve for pre-COVID was someone has to pay for office space. Uh, and if you're not in an area that's population dense, uh, you, you might not have clients to see. Uh, and what COVID did, um, positive, I think, for the behavioral health industry is it eliminated office space and population, local population density as a requirement. And it created really a new modality that uh, folks can effectively see, uh, have care over. Ninety uh, percent of our, maybe not ninety, but we do have in-person care, but but eighty plus is virtual for us, and and that's a unique phenomenon post-COVID uh, in behavioral. Same thing applies to our media as well. Totally, yeah. <laughs> this podcast too, but we're in three different. Exactly, locations. me and my man, time, and we get to see each other every week, and. Uh, although we started this right before COVID, we quickly transitioned to, you know, one of the bigger shows on LinkedIn, especially uh, with Office Hours, which became a TV show, all because of the virtual side of it. And being able to communicate effectively is so important, which, man, are you uh, a stellar example and illustration to young people of being able to manifest their dreams by putting in 
what you do say, think, believe, and feel, doing the work for others and being abundant in that nature. CEO and co-founder of Grow Therapy. Go to growtherapy.com if you're looking for qualified, quality mental health care professionals. And if you are one, what a great way to expand and amplify your business. Jay Cooper, join me on other shows, man. We need more of you. I'm excited. Great job, man. Thank you for joining us. Of course. Bye, buddy. Have a good one. There he is. He's humble, never mumbles. Oh, my God. He's great. He's, uh, see, we're looking in five years. You can do all that, too. You're so young, and you're humble as well. All right. We have, last but not least, here she is waiting in the wings patiently, Kathy DeMarcos, founder and CEO of Solutions to You. Uh, welcome, solutions to you.com.au. And uh, we're going to talk about raising the baseline project um, and how it applies to leadership and not putting too much pressure on people by raising that uh, baseline, raising expectations and managing them. Uh, How did you come about, Kathy, uh, the realization that there is a, a baseline, that it's important to establish one and how that is impacting uh, leaders globally today? Well, firstly, thanks, David, and nice to meet you both, Mike. Um, Clearly, I'm here from Oz, so it is a good start to your future day tomorrow. Thank you. Beautiful. (laughs) Tomorrow's beautiful, Mike. See, we can be a dose of positivity with Kathy. There you go. I am the eternal optimist, but I'm a realist at heart, so... (laughs) <laughs> I'm, the, I'm an optimist. I see everything at the top of the optimism chart. So not very realistic, but I give a realistic approach to being an optimist. Fantastic. There's alignment there then. Um, so raise the baseline for me is actually a subtext, but a very powerful one for everything that I do. Um, I might give you a little bit of a prerequisite as to how I landed there. Um and it was, it was actually just as COVID had happened. Um, I was just speaking nationally, in fact, to the financial planning sector. My background is actually over three decades in um, securitization, financial markets, but I'm a qualified counsellor. So it was really interesting actually listening to Jake just earlier. Um, so it's, it's something that I'm very passionate about. So I've integrated all of my learnings to be actually where I am today. So as I sat and I had just landed, it was the Friday, the 13th of March, um, I landed back in Sydney and my father had taken ill and two days later actually had a really critical fall in hospital, which sadly led to him passing away within six days. Um, But sitting, sitting by his bedside, it actually dawned on me that it wasn't good enough to actually be doing just what I was doing. And so became this journey, which really the seed got planted when Ebola broke out and my 16-year-old daughter said, I'm going to go to Africa, I'm finishing school, and I'm going to go and volunteer there. So all of this started to sort of take shape, but not quite to where it is today. So I sat there and I wrote a book, my first book, being... Same people, different vision, as I sat by my dad's bedside and realised that all of my learnings in 2014 and 15, living with a Maasai in Tanzania, 
and every trip since then was actually about raising that baseline. And so I now actually run leadership programs. The things that I've actually developed for the Leadership Institute here in Australia, I've converted those programs for kids. So if we're really wanting to actually raise the baseline, it is actually about being intentionally conscious, which is actually one of my recent ones, intentionally conscious living and combining all of our actual lived experiences to make a better choice in how we move forward. So I'm actually very big on anti-fragility as opposed to resilience. Um, And I will give you a little bit of an understanding as to what the difference is. So with resiliency, guys, we, we actually look at it and go, We've, we've been able to overcome, you know, we've gone through that challenge, you know, we've gotten to the other end, but it's not good enough just to do that, particularly with how fast the world is moving and how we as people are actually trying to realign how we're connecting with one another, what we're actually wanting to do, realising that everything that we've done perhaps isn't exactly what we wanted to do. When we're actually anti-fragile, we look at every challenge, every obstacle, recognise what we've done, identify what we've been able to push through and strengthen from that position as opposed to just continuing to go forward, which is what resiliency is. So um, Taleb, Nassim Taleb actually termed the um, anti-fragile in a mathematical term. So it's actually about that critical thinking stage and having first and second and third order thinking. So all of that from a leadership perspective is actually about recognising where you've been, having a look at what you've done well, strengthening from it, sharing it and taking other people on that journey with you. So for me, I actually do that with kids. So can you imagine, like seriously, I, I get so excited about this, but... I I do this with kids because they actually can solve the world's problems. You know, I sit there and I actually say to them at a really young age, what is it that's really troubling you? And they identify things that are on a global basis. It's not just about themselves. And then I actually go down into the core of what does that actually do for you? How does it make you feel? Well... And then we actually say, so what do you think you can do about it? And within that particular segment of that um, course, they're able to sit down and actually come up with things that they can contribute to solve that issue, to actually look at who within their community can actually support them. And so we instill the practice of paying things forward not paying things back, and I do that in impoverished nations. So for me, that's my paying it forward. I actually go to Tanzania and we run these programs with kids and it is at all different ages, from the ages of 11 and 12, they're at different um, critical stages of their life and then at 14 and 15 and then as they leave schools. And on top of that, I actually, and you will appreciate this, but we instill not just a growth mindset but an entrepreneurial mindset because, you know what, the reality is is that if we can actually instill those sorts of learnings and skills, 
into everybody, irrespective of whether they're an entrepreneur or they're working for someone, they then actually have that attachment of belonging and how they're contributing. And that's what we actually need. And that's how we change what leadership is actually all about. So raising the baseline starts from a young kid all the way through to C-suite because that's where I actually sit to change and make real transformational change. So that was a long way around, but to get you to, you know, where I've actually been. Um, so it's, you know, David, for me, we have the ability to actually bring everybody on the journey with us. And if COVID has taught us nothing else, it is that the world is actually our community. You know, you and Jake were talking about how you transformed to online. Hello. <laughs> you know, yeah. we don't need to actually be in an office we can learn to communicate differently and to accept the differences so that we can actually strengthen and actually create that positive ripple. So here I am, you know, actually just wanting people to think about what else, not what if, but what else, what else can I actually do? Love it. Mikey. Yeah. No, I just love, um, it, it's 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 I like what you said when you go into impoverished places to raise their baseline. You start with the youth because a lot a lot of the time now we spend too much time saying, "Oh, the good old days," and these millennials are useless, and these kids are dumb, and these kids don't know how to apply themselves. And we don't actually sit with them and ask them how they feel and how they can contribute, and because they're way smarter than we think, but we just shut them down. So I love how you start at the bottom to raise the baseline, which raises everything. And people don't focus on that. You know, it, it's so, so, I love what you're doing with, with that, with that stuff. It's brilliant. You know, I was going to say yeah. real quick, Kathy, too, just to share an aligned uh, thought because Mike and I are thoroughly connected. And I do work in Kenya and the Masamari and have established schools and community centers and work with children. But there's a different relationship uh, with the meaning of the past. I think, you know, all children are afraid or anxious of the future. Um, but what raising the baseline seems to me is allows you to go in at that level and to change the meaning of their past so they're not limited in their future. And, you know, I was hoping that maybe you could finish up by giving us a little bit of a perspective on, you know, how impactful it is to change the meaning of the past uh, especially yeah. in impoverished nations. Do you know, I specifically actually work with kids that are orphaned. And so if you can actually, re you know, even try and understand the trauma that actually sits just by that and then being given the opportunity to be asked, what would you like to contribute to in the future automatically changes their psyche. It's no longer attaching that emotion of the past and carrying that forward with them, what it actually does is it allows them to take what they have learned and experienced, leave that emotion behind and focus on the future. So they are actually part of that solution. I don't think that I have ever, and I've been doing this now for eight years, I don't think that I have ever heard one child say, but, but I can't because. It has always actually been with the premise of, I know how to actually do this and to give them a voice is really the most important thing. And to your point, Mike, 
you know, I, I did a TED talk um, a couple of years ago and it was going against the grain, but I talked to the point that you actually just shared and that is around, you know, millennials and Gen Zs who everybody says they're entitled and, you know, I'm going to go against the grain here, but I actually, I've not seen that. When you give a millennial or a Gen Z the opportunity to actually contribute and be part of what that future is, let me tell you, they're on board and they're actually running that actual chain forward. But most of the time, we actually do what you just said. Can you just stay in your lane? Can you wait your turn? And you're entitled because you think that you can actually sit at this table. Well, I'm really sorry, but we want the future to be innovative. Can we actually put people in there that can actually create innovation? Yep. You know, and for, so for me, there are there are a few things that we can actually do differently. And one is our future generation. And the other thing that I'm passionate about is women, the economic security for women. You know, I, I'm not about this, you know, equality and quota. I, I, it's actually about what do you want to do? Do you want to be equipped? Because I can actually help you be equipped. You need to think about what you want to do and how you want to be there, and then we can actually do it together, you know, collectively. Yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah, brilliant. And I think raising the baseline project uh, uh, is also, when you look talk about a baseline, it just illustrates how deep our bench is in the world. And we need more people to empower the, the bench, you know, because we got to bring these young people up, these entrepreneurs to save our world because it will be them that figure out how to convert plastic to energy or fill the hole in our atmosphere and all types of extraordinary things that they're already participating in. And it takes people like Kathy DeMarcos to empower those young minds as CEO and founder of Solutions to You. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for waking up early and tomorrow to give us a little share of our future. Please come back and join us. We have other shows we uh, will also be visiting you shortly at the end of the speaker down in Melbourne and Sydney. Really looking forward to uh, meeting so many of you in person. Keep up the great work. Come back and join us soon. Incredible Kathy DeMarcos. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, David. Thank you, Mike. I'll Bye. be in LA next week, so I'll be up your I'll, neck of the woods. Call us. We'd love to see you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Amazing. Wow. We're opening. Everyone's visiting everyone. What's your takeaway of the day? Give me a dose of positivity from the genius himself, the capped head of Michael Diamond. Grounded humility. Ooh. Everyone was grounded. They they were centered and they were humble. And I loved that from, from our first guest with the men's retreat. You know, it was very humbling and grounded to Jake. I mean, come on, that kid. Oh, no, 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 it's not me. It's not me. It's not me. And then going there and being humble and grounded and giving away to Tanzania and, and raising the baseline, you know, and helping people. If you're a grounded person and you're humble and you are of service, it, you can change the world. Yeah, and aligned with that beyond groundedness is meeting people they're at. So it's one thing to be grounded and humble yourself, uh, but it's something that you do, and we'll see it on the show uh, as uh, you're going to be a famous TV star. It's an honor to have you, but you meet people where they're at. So many people, and I'm thinking in the mental health space, right? It's like how many kids are being told today, just look at things with the glass half full. 
right? Like if you're not meeting people where they're at, uh, and we see this with the leaders from Kathy to Jake uh, to Saul, right? They're meeting people where they're at, and then they're empowering the bench to take the team to the next level. I meet Mike where he's at every Wednesday so we can take our team to the next level. He's not only extremely good looking, he's really intelligent as well. Thanks for joining me. A dose of positivity. Pre-order it. It's everywhere. You want to have the right mindset, heart set, and hand set. Get a dose of positivity. I also like the guy that wrote the forward to that book. We won't let you know who it is until you actually buy it. Uh, Anyways, <laughs> we'll see you next Wednesday. Mike Diamond, everyone. Check him out. Thanks for joining me. Love you, mate. Bye, buddy. Love, love you, mate. I love that. He's my mate. David at Meltzer.com. If you want any guides, exercises, you want my book, uh, just email me, David at Meltzer.com. I'll sign it, send it to you, pay for shipping, pay for the book. But everybody needs a dose of Mike Diamond and a dose of our extraordinary guests. You can see my subtitle, Be Happy. Be more interested than interesting. Be kind to your future self and do good deeds. We will see you tomorrow. Thank you, Luca. Have fun.